Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Sally Gentry. And Joey. Wait. What? No, Joey. <laughs> I'm excited because you're back in the studio. Yes, me Joey's too. out. He says there's some specialized training, which he did talk about on the last episode. Yes. Uh, but he is in the process of doing that specialized training, which is where he needs to be. But Sal... You're back in the saddle. How are things? Things are going very, very well. And I really appreciate you asking, Lori. It's been just, you know, one of those whirlwind sort of last oh, five months. <laughs> but, you know, I really want to thank Kelly and the LOPA staff and all the folks who came out and helped with some of the removal of debris and all that. I really appreciate it a lot. And you know what? That makes it a lot easier too. So, you know, it's all going to be good. Well, if you're just joining us and you're just catching on to Sally's story back in August of 2016, she was one of the flood victims from that historic flooding in Louisiana. And it is five months out. Lots of people are still rebuilding. Yeah, that's right. Sally, fortunately, seems to be ahead of the game. She is back in and trying to become whole. That's it. Doing what we can. But let me tell you, you had a great attitude through it all. I was following you. It's awesome. Well, positive. I do appreciate that. Positive, good, and we're moving forward. You had a plan, yes, you indeed. stuck to it, That's and it. you got it done. Right. I love it. And one of the things on that list was the podcast. So we got to yes, get it to was. it. Yes. <laughs> Here's what's coming up on this episode of The Gifted Life. We'll talk to a donor mom, Miss Benita Wilson. And you know Miss Benita. I do. She is fresh back from California for the Rose Parade. <laughs> Her son was one of many honored on the Donate Life float. And so from what we've heard, just a whirlwind of a trip, lots of emotion, lots of things going on. And she's going to tell us all about it, which is pretty incredible. And I know she's just so proud to be able to share this with everyone, too. I know. So we're looking forward to that. Also on today's episode, we're also going to talk about how to motivate volunteers in this new year. I love that conversation. Let's have that conversation in 2017. We want you to get involved and we are going to pump you up. I love it. Another thing that we're going to be talking about today in our family support segment, pity, sympathy, empathy, and compassion. And we're going to discuss what these different terms mean. Sometimes we all get confused when Mm -hmm. we're talking with someone about what the situation is for them. And so hopefully this will do some clarification for folks. Always learn something from the fabulous Sal. Uh We'll also honor a hero here on The Gifted Life. So we want you to stay tuned and listen. We want you to share what you hear. We want you to get involved. You can find us on your favorite podcast apps. If you're on social media, a lot of what we talk about you can find on our Facebook page. That's Donate Life Louisiana. Maybe you tweet. Maybe you're on Instagram at Donate Life LA. Get involved today. And you know, too, Lori, I talk with a lot of folks after the recovery. Mm-hmm. And many times I say, you know, we'd really like to call in but we're not sure what that phone number might be. So I want everyone to know yes. it's 504-648-3477. Please give us a call. And I tell people you can call at 1 in the morning in your jammies whenever it's convenient oh, yeah. for you. We just want that interaction going on. Tell us your story. Motivate us. We love it. So as you can see, lots to get to, right, Sal? Yes, indeed. You ready, girl? I am. Are you? Let's do it. Yes. Yes. 
well, a special treat, Sally. We are joined by the Benita Wilson. Hey, Miss Benita. Hello. How are you? I'm great. She is a whirlwind of a volunteer. She is a donor mother, and she does all of this in honor of her son, Ricardo Buck Brown. So we hear that you're smiling because we know you're about to talk about your baby, right? I am really smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Benita, we know that you recently took a trip to California to honor Buck, but we want to talk a little bit about his story. He was a registered donor, right? Yes, ma'am. All right. And so he put that heart on his license in February of 2011? Yes, ma'am. Yes. And then he gave his gifts of life in April of 2011. So from what Mm -hmm. I'm reading, he he was a giver. He always had a smile. He was just a good person, right, Mom? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about Buck. Well, Buck was born a twin at 30 weeks. He and his brother both weighed in under two pounds. Oh, my. His brother only lived 14 hours, and after his brother passed, I feel like Buck took on the strength of his brother. Wow. He stayed in the NIC unit five and a half months. We went home. With heart monitors, just all kind of things connected to him to try to build him back up to be the man he became at the age of 23. And he became quite the hero, right? That's amazing. So if you want to hear more about Buck's story, he's on our Heroes page at Lopa.org. And he was actually on episode 47 of the Gifted Life podcast. So you can go back and you can hear mom talking about her hero and you can hear one of his recipients talk about that hero as well, saving lives, and then seen by millions in California. So, Benita, I would like for you to tell us what it was like to participate in decorating the florograph and being there as a different flowers and seeds and all this was put onto the float. Yes, ma'am. I was amazed at the thought of using flowers to make a float. Yeah, all plant materials, which is amazing. And if you don't know, a florograph is in Buck's image, but all plant material. Right, Benita? Yes, ma'am. And did it look like him? It looked just like him. His smile was still there. (laughs) I saw it. It was incredible. And how would you describe the trip to California? Lopa sponsors a family each year to attend, and then you were that family this year. But how would you describe that trip, that experience? The experience I had was very heartfelt. I mean, walking into the hotel lobby, seeing all those families there that were there for the same reason that I was, the love, the hugs, listening to the other stories, I just felt like part of a great big happy family. I was meant to be there. Now, a beautiful float. What did you think about it? That float, God. <laughs> I'm speechless. Yeah. But Nita, did you know how many hours it took to finish the float? I really don't because when I left there that Friday night, it was hardly anything done to it. Oh, well, so they moved pretty quickly then, huh? <laughs> yes. When I saw that float again, like Sunday, I'm like, how did those people do this in that little town? Because <laughs> you were on a night shift, so you participated and you helped make that magic happen. Yes, ma'am. What I think is pretty incredible, Miss Benita, is that, you know, I've heard of donor families going and honoring their hero. You got to take one of the lives that Buck saved with you. Yes, I did. All right. So tell us about the bond that you guys have, what it was like for you guys to experience this on that trip. 
Being with Mr. Wanda, it was like I had booked by my side every step of that trip. Oh. Her character, I could swear that it was booked. I was happy being there with her. That's great. She, she made that whole trip worthwhile. Now, I heard you also describe the trip as a dream trip. Is that true? It was a dream. Excuse me. Yeah. Dream come true. Oh. So, for those who haven't been, is that an experience that they should try and, and take part in? You no, know, I constantly call myself a little country girl. So, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. the country is in me. So, I took the country with me. All right. But that was an experience that I had to bring back to the country to let everyone know. If you haven't been, please put it on your bucket list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great experience just to go and see how people live in different areas, more particularly like you're saying, since, you know, you being a country girl, to get out there and see how those big city folk live, huh? <laughs> yes, I did, and I was ready to get back to the country, too. <laughs> <laughs> no place like home, huh, Miss Benita? No place like home. <laughs> You know, Benita, I do want to ask you something. You know, from the very beginning, it was a difficult time for Buck. But then as he grew into a young man, obviously he thrived and did well. So I'm sure that this journey you took to California to honor him, along with his recipient, was really very emotional for you, kind of just looking back over time and seeing that here he was, a young man in his prime, and still at this point he did save lives. So. Has it made sense to you how all this has come about? Yes, ma'am. I mean, growing up, he had difficulties. He had stumbling blocks, had cerebral palsy, and, I mean, going through life. Sometimes he would question me about why he was the way he was and why couldn't he change. And I just always told him that you are the way you are because God has a purpose for you. You know, accept it make the best of what you are, and that he did. Well, you are a great mom to be able to remain positive and give him encouragement like that. That's truly a a wonderful attribute, Benita. And I see you using social media to help spread donation awareness. You keep that up. We love that you're one of our volunteers and one of our donation advocates. Thank you, Miss Benita Wilson. Yes, ma'am, and thank y'all for having me. I am excited, Sally. We have a lady who's going to be joining us by phone. I have heard her described as perky, quite the motivator, and cute. And she talks about positive rhetoric. Oh, I love it. Her name is Brianna Doby of Positive Rhetoric. Hey, ma'am. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very well, and I appreciate the cute and perky. That's so nice of you. Well, it's like we're twins, so... So you are a nonprofit consultant, and I like this. I pulled this from your site, turning great words into great deeds, which is what we try to do in order to save more lives. And so positive rhetoric, I would assume, is helping us understand ourselves and what we do to communicate better, hopefully saving more lives is kind of what I got out of it and and telling our story. So tell us how you got into the nonprofit consultant world and how it is that you motivate through the organ donation process. 
Absolutely. Well, um, again, it's a great honor to be on, so thank you all for having me. Love the podcast. My personal journey with donation and transplantation, actually, I was a nonprofit consultant right out of college who was really interested in education and kids. Those were kind of my two focus areas, and I wanted to work with nonprofits that served kids in schools. So I started working for a nonprofit, a national nonprofit called Donors Choose, which some of your listeners may have heard of. It's a nonprofit that serves public school teachers. Public school teachers can post a proposal, and people like you and I can go online and search for something that interests us and then make a public school classroom and a whole bunch of kids really happy and get the things they need to learn and to be the best students they can be and support those teachers. So that was kind of my first nonprofit consulting work. I was their executive director, and then I became their national director of special projects. And then when I had a little one and then another little one, they were kind enough to let me stay on as a consultant. And I started working for a few other large national nonprofits in that vein. And then in 2008, I lost my mom, my best friend, and just an amazing woman. And in the process of losing her, I was her medical power of attorney. I was the person kind of in charge of of holding and protecting her decisions and the decisions that she had made very clear to her family, all of us who loved her, and the good folks at Donor Alliance. So shout out to Donor Alliance, Donate Life Colorado and Wyoming. Those amazing people in the very worst moments of my life came forward and protected my mother's donation decision, protected me, and then helped my mother help others, which is exactly who she was in this world. And I'm so proud that her legacy continued even after she left us. So I started volunteering for Donor Alliance. I volunteered a whole lot, as I'm sure some of those good folks would tell you. I was that volunteer. Uh, we love you. We love you, yeah. I was the one who just always had my hand up and said, hey, how can I make things better? And then I started to see my volunteerism and my professional life collide in a great way because I saw places where the things that I had learned about um, rhetoric, message development, strategy, communication strategy, strategy, crisis strategy, kind of intersect with the work that I was doing as a volunteer at Donor Alliance. And the good people at Donor Alliance were kind enough to hire me to start training all of their volunteers, and then they told their friends. And now I do strategic consulting communications for OPOs, transplant centers, eye and tissue banks all around the country. So that's how I got here today. Um, We love it. And I was looking on your site just about some of the things that you do, some of your clients. And I saw one thing that caught my eye is social media. A lot of our volunteers are saying, how can I use social media to help? Because that's easy. Life is so busy. And one of the things that I like that you put on there was that if somebody posts maybe a fake news story or myths about donation, you turn it around with some positive rhetoric. So talk about some of those things that work from your point of view. Absolutely. That's a great and very timely question, I think, right now. You know, as we're moving into a world where donation is really stretching and transplant is crossing into new frontiers all the time, that's an extraordinary opportunity. And I think that in the past, sometimes we've been hesitant as volunteers maybe to talk about the complex issues around donation. Or if there's been a story that has an angle that kind of we don't necessarily understand or we're not sure if it's entirely kind of pro-donation and we're not 
not sure what to do, I think these are the moments to be open and transparent with those folks in your circles and those folks that you talk to, your friends, your family, those people you know online, saying to someone, you know, hey, here's a story about the first genitourinary transplant, which is something that I get asked a lot about, these new frontiers in VCA or the first uterus transplant. You know, those are moments when maybe instead of sharing something without comment or just kind of being like, ooh, that might be controversial or I'm not sure what to do, I think a real opportunity for our field and for our volunteers is to instead say, hey, you know, this is something that some of you are asking me about, and here are a couple of things that I do know. I can't advise you on maybe the medical side of this, but what I can tell you from a family perspective is that as someone who has waited for a gift that would heal, that even though this isn't the type of transplant we all kind of think about first, if someone's healed by a gift given in compassion, that's a good thing to me. Or another good and compelling message might be that VCA transplant is an above and beyond consent process for those donor families. So I might say something like, you know, as a donor family, those are very personal decisions and discussions. And for me, I'm not sure what my family would do in the same situation, but I would like to think that if my mother had made clear she wanted to help people, that we would have protected that decision, whether it be for face or hand or other kinds of transplant and recovery as well. That's just some great information that you're sharing here. That's why, uh, that's why I get the big bucks there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're very reasonable bucks. Very reasonable bucks. I wanted to continue talking to you about that social media plan. We have lots of folks that say, oh, I'll share that on my page or I like that when you posted that. Is there something more that we could start doing as a group, maybe to try to have a a larger online presence when it comes to donation awareness and spreading facts, getting folks signed up to be donors? I think that that's a great question. I'm also on the board of directors and volunteers and agencies, which is a wonderful group. We do have chapters around the country. Here in Colorado, we're quite strong. But that's one of the things that we talk about across all fields of advocacy and volunteerism. What I feel like I can share specifically with our listeners today is that these are moments where liking and sharing are good, but we have done a really good job of preaching to our choir. So what I like to encourage people to do is say, hey, if you're really active on Facebook and you make sure you like something all the time, odds are the people that you're friends with right now, they know what you believe in, they know what you support, right? So one, try and always add a comment or open something up for discussion or say, you know, there are some folks who might worry about something like this or, gosh, do any of you have questions? I know you all know what I believe, but maybe you have some questions because, hey, there are tough things about death and dying or We're talking about illness, and I want to hear from you. So one thing is to always add a comment to make that comment somehow relatable to the person reading. Another thing is to try a new social media channel for yourself. For myself in particular, some of you might have seen that we did a live tweet in response to a really, truly awful NBC show that came out last year called Heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And and why I think that was an important moment for social media advocacy and volunteerism and donation and transplantation is that we were reaching beyond the group of people that already believe in and know what we do by talking about another 
pop culture events, we were able to hook into tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of new people who were unfamiliar with our message. But by engaging with them where they were, we were able to talk to them in real time. And that was by using the hashtag for the NBC Show's live tweet. Just like Grey's Anatomy, Shonda Rhimes and her cast, they are online. And believe me, I have my own thoughts, Miss Rhimes, about how she has written about donation in the past. Bless her heart. But those are the moments. If there's something happening online or you see a teaser for a TV show, reach out to your OPO, to your volunteer coordinator. See if there's someone getting online who, in a very positive and caring way, is saying, like, hey, you know, this makes for great TV, but we want to make sure that people know the real story of how donation and transplantation save lives or how you're protected as a person making that donation decision or why your life comes first or any of those things that we can talk about and say, from my experience, I know, you know, this is why this is important. This is why registering is a good thing. And this is why donation matters. And Brianna, you may like this. We had a donor dad. His name is Duncan and his daughter, Tabitha died, but she had expressed her wishes to be a donor before she gave the gift of life. And so he wanted to grow her online presence and he wanted to spread awareness that way because he worked shift work. He couldn't always be here. And so he said, you know, I just kind of created a page and it really didn't go anywhere. And then he started looking through old pictures. And so she did horseback riding and skiing and she went to this camp and she was connected in all these ways. And so he reached out to those folks and people who knew her. And so uh, what started as just something that was in his community spread across the country just because he reached out to those people, kind of like what you were talking about. I think that's extraordinary. And my heart certainly breaks for his loss, but it soars to hear of the lives he has changed and his daughter will continue to impact him for many years to come. I think that what you say is important too, to connect our affinity groups. I think that's one thing missing a little bit in America right now, and not to get onto too big of a tangent, but these are moments where being connected to other people is important and it's meaningful. And we know it helps you live a longer and healthier life to volunteer and to talk to other folks and to, and to have friends. And by connecting your affinity groups to your advocacy, I think you also, again, like you said with this wonderful family, you reach out past your normal circle of influence. And one thing that I think is really interesting that I know that some OPOs do upon intake for their advocate or ambassador programs is say, what are your hobbies? Because, you know, all it takes is three or four people connecting together to find out that there could be a Donate Life bowling league or mm-hmm. or there's a whole group of trail riders. Of course, there's that great program up in North and South Dakota, that group of horseback riders that work and fundraise for transplant and donation. Like All of those little affinity moments, we can connect to each other on a deeper level, reach more folks. And I think in the long term, you benefit because your advocacy is deeper and your connections to other people around you are deeper too. We love it. We love what you have to say. If you want more, all you have to do is check out PositiveRhetoric.com. That's PositiveRhetoric.com. Miss Brianna, we appreciate you and your time. Thank you so much. We have reached our family support segment, and Sally is going to fill us in Mm -hmm. on the differences between pity, sympathy, empathy, and (laughs) compassion. 
easy for me to say, right? I can't well, even say right. them. I need some help here. Well, and you know, the thing is that many times, and, and up until, you know, when I say recently, maybe the last 25 years, recently, I, okay. I wasn't real clear on what all these meant, you know, until you actually are dealing with folks that are going through a traumatic loss. And that could be not only the loss of a loved one, but their home or a pet or, you know, through divorce, this sort of thing. I'm very sorry about that, or mm-hmm. or my deepest compassion. And you go, well, what does that really mean? Right. So part of this is to be able to, you know, share information with you all. So you, you kind of get when you're talking about, you know, you hear someone say, I have a lot of pity for that person. Well, they're really not connecting with the person. They're just kind of acknowledging as an object mm-hmm. that this person has gone through something. And it's just that I can acknowledge your suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've heard people say this before. But then when you get to sympathy, you know, you do have more care about that person. You can kind of really get into, I wish they were better off, hoping they could be happier in the situation. But it really doesn't have like a shared perspective or emotional tie like mm-hmm. empathy does. Mm-hmm. However, with sympathy, you know, it means I, I do care about your suffering. And then we kind of move into empathy. And that's where I think those of us here at LOPA, and I'm sure in other fields that are working with individuals who are suffering through a very you know, difficult time in their lives, we'd like to have someone that can say, you know, I'm kind of here with you on this. I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I, I want to be of help to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the difference comes in as far as, and I'm stressing more on empathy than I am the others. In the fact that until mm-hmm. you've actually walked in that person's exactly. shoes, yes. it's kind of difficult to understand what they mean because you really, unless you're in that situation, and not everybody can do it. You know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I got it. I, I can be very caring and compassionate. Yes, you can. Uh-huh. But to empathize mm-hmm. takes on a whole new meaning of giving up your own self. And, and what I mean by that is your own thoughts and feelings about it and being able to say, Laurie, I hear what you're saying to me, and Mm -hmm. I get what you're going through. I may not know it exactly, but I get what you're going through. That way you're more willing and ready to to discuss with me what's happening in your personal life. Anyway, for empathy is, you know, I feel your suffering. It's that feeling that, that one gets. And then finally, with empathy, you do have compassion because you want to help that person, whatever the situation might be, to, you know, hopefully alleviate some of the suffering and That way, people feel that you are hearing them, that you're listening to them. And basically, it just comes down to, you know, I want to help you walk through this. Mm -hmm. And I think we use compassion in our field a lot when our staff is approaching families by letting them know we hear it, we see it, we kind of understand what you're going through. But we want you to know that we're going to walk with you side by side. And so when we get to the final end of this, you can say yes. And even if your loved one has been a designated donor, you're going to feel that we were there for you. And and I think that's what most of our staff that are working directly with families want that family to feel. Mm-hmm. And then just personally, sometimes you get tongue twisted and you don't know what to say. And so that's just right. all these things come out and you, you want to say, call me if I can do anything, but nobody really calls you. So what can I do for you? I'm thinking about you. I'm checking in. Right. And then right. I don't like awkward silence. So sometimes my, it just keeps coming out, Sal. 
Yeah, well, you know, and I want to, I want to show. I'm, I'm, I understand, but well, and sometimes it's just that touch. Yeah, just you know, just the touch on the arm, uh, unless somebody's not into touching. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a hugger, the, and well, there you go. Yeah. Not everyone is, but that that touch means so much for people. And actually, it's very, very healthy, whether it's just, you know, a, a quick hug, a long hug, just holding a hand means so much because that speaks volumes where, like you're saying, you get tongue tied and you're saying this and that and you're going, well, that's not really what I meant to say. But that yeah. touch can mean so much. And, and that does convey your empathy and compassion and, and not that you just feel sorry for someone, but that you truly want them to be better. As time goes on. Well, I'm glad you tell me that. I'm also a, a food sender. I try to do that. So I'm not well, in the way, right. yeah. but you have yeah. something there if you need. I'm thinking about you. That's it. That's it. That's all you can do and sometimes, I, huh? Yeah, and I think that all of us, you know, as we go through life, just having someone to say, I care about you, makes all the difference in the world on how then we perceive the situation that we find ourselves in when it's a very serious situation. So, so true. Yep. So Anyway, I hope that will be helpful. Very good. If you want to learn more, Sally and I will continue talking. Info at lopa.org, or maybe there's a topic you want her to tackle. We can do that as well. Just stay in touch. At this point in the podcast, we do want to honor a hero. And our hero today is Anthony Washington. And we learn about Anthony from his wife, She says, my husband was a good man, a wonderful father who loved life. It was never a dull moment around him. He would always put others before himself. That's what he loved to do, is to help others. So when he passed away on June 27, 2016, I knew then what was going to happen. He was an organ donor. My husband touched so many lives when he was here with us. People I didn't even know whose lives he touched, which was so amazing. He was loved by so many. And now that he is no longer with us, he is still helping others, and I'm so proud of him. Lopa was so wonderful and so helpful through this ordeal. I want to thank them for taking care of my husband and letting me know what was going on with him. I'm so proud of my husband for giving someone else another chance at life. You can learn more about Anthony. You can see his picture on our Heroes page located at lopa.org. And now let's pause to say thank you to Anthony for the gift of life. today's question and answer segment, my mom said that she heard there was a waiting period of a year that a recipient has to wait before they can contact the donor family. Is this correct? I've never heard anything about that. That's right up your alley, Sal. It certainly is, Lori, and I'm glad she's asked this question. There is no waiting period for recipient and or donor family to decide when they'd like to write to the other party. Whenever the time is right, and each person has their own time frame, sometimes we hear from recipients within a matter of two weeks after they've been transplanted, and sometimes it takes a year or two before they're ready to write. Conversely, with the donor families, the same thing. Some families are ready to write sooner and some not so soon. However, you know, there was a point in time many years ago that there was this arbitrary, let's wait a year, And I think part of that was on both the transplant side and on the organ procurement side, 
was to give families and or the recipients time to heal, time to, you know, find a little bit of relief in their life where then they might be more open to communicating. But we found that usually, no, whenever you're ready, the answer is you can write whenever you choose to write. Whenever you're ready. All right, Sal, that was a good one. You want something you want us to answer? Info at loba.org or don't forget about our hotline, 504. You know it. I I know know it it now. (laughs) 504. We want you to know it. 504-648-3477. See how we did that? Teamwork. Yes. All right, and you can join our team too. The Gifted Life Podcast, episode 48. That's a wrap, huh, Sal? Yes, great episode. Thanks to Benita Wilson for sharing her story about her trip to Pasadena, Laura Graff of her son, Buck. Very moving story. Yes, and she will continue to honor her hero and continue to help us save more lives. Thanks, Miss Benita. Also, thanks to Brianna Doby, spreading positive rhetoric, positiverhetoric.com if you want more information. And Joey's still in that specialized training, we think. Well, so it's just us, I guess. Girl power, Joey. You better hurry back. And then I wanted to ask you something. I'm not sure if I should ask on the air or not, but when you're writing the date, do you still put 16 or do you put 17? Like, it's the end of January, right? Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I have to, you know, make myself write 17 on there, but it's getting better. Well, and, and it will over time. It'll get easier. It'll get easier. All right. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you go out and do something that you don't normally do to help us make life happen. <laughs>